Welcome to the Business Clicks podcast, the podcast that interviews business owners to discuss their struggles, strategies, and successes with using the power of the internet to grow their business. We discuss the transition from brick and mortar growth strategies to digital alternatives. We provide new and exciting tactics each business can use to be successful in this new digital world. I'm your host, Adam Barbro, and let's get stuck in. And welcome to another episode of the Business Clicks podcast. In this episode, we're going to continue the series of Connecting the Dots, which is the series that we're not actually interviewing and talking with other business owners and entrepreneurs about their marketing and branding efforts, but instead going through some of the fundamentals around branding and marketing and how they're sort of misinterpreted or not done correctly and things that you can use and implement in your business, which are going to make you more successful both in the short term, but more importantly, in the long term as well. So in this episode which will be the last episode of the year before Christmas. And therefore, there might be a bit of a break over Christmas as obviously I'm going to be away and taking some time off ready for the next year. But we're going to really talk in this last episode for the end of the year is a branding framework. Branding is, as I've talked about in previous episodes, is so important for long-term success. Really having absolute clarity on who your brand is, who your um, customers are, you know, who your com- competitors are, how you're different, how you're positioned in the market, you know, what what persona and personality does your brand actually portray to the market to help resonate more effectively with people? And what sort of brand identity do you have to, you know, make it easier for people to associate certain things with your business on brand? So uh, that's why branding is so effective. It really gives you this basis, this foundation and clarity for long-term success, like 10, 15 years down the line. And that's different because if we're looking at something like a marketing strategy, then that's really looking at more short and medium term. It's really looking at, you know, weeks, months, and maybe up to like, you know, a year or two for a marketing strategy, you know, and that's really stretching it. So that's why the branding strategy is so effective. And that's why I always do this with organizations that I'm working with straight out the door and my clients do it because that give puts everyone in the same on the same path. You know, all the executives, all the investors, all the owners are completely on the same path in terms of, okay, this is how, this is where we are. This is who we are. This is why we exist. And this is where we're going. And when everyone knows that it's very easy to make decisions moving forward to get you from that initial step of where you are, point A, to get you to where you want to be down the line, point B. It means your marketing strategies can just help you get to make help you make those smaller incremental steps along the way and breaking it up into chunks, which makes the whole thing a lot easier. If you just look at where you are now and say, oh, I want to get to here, you know, 10 years down the line. Okay, that's a long time and that's a lot of steps and that's, you know, very difficult to sort of, you know, look at and say, we're going to do this and this and we're going to be there. But if you know this bigger plan, if you have this brand strategy and you've created a brand for long-term success, then you're able to use marketing strategies to really break that down into smaller chunks to make sure that you can make this process a lot easier and that you remain consistent along the way so that your customers really know who you are and you can really build upon yourself um, each year as you go making sure that you're on the right path. So that's why we do brand strategy and that's how uh, a, a marketing strategy fits into it. This is why I created the um, brand flow framework because we're really looking at creating those foundations for long-term success and then building off that to making sure that we're actually reaching that rather than only thinking you know, weeks or months ahead and then under, not understanding why we're not getting consistency or really good long-term growth. So let me go through the framework. 
good framework for coming up with a brand strategy can have a lot of things. I we have you know uh, developed our brand strategy framework over months and really added to it and subtracted things out and you know improved on exercises and really made sure that we can hit all these different aspects. And our you know one day intensive course around a brand strategy is you know actually quite difficult and takes a lot of energy, but there are there's some f foundational elements of our brand strategy that haven't changed throughout the whole time we've been running these workshops with businesses and companies um, throughout Australia. And these elements are the core essence of who your brand is, understanding why your brand actually exists. It's having a brand personality. So having something that people can actually resonate more than just saying, hey, we're a company that sells uh, products and services. It's understanding who your competition is. It's understanding how you're different in the marketplace. It's creating a tone of voice for how you're actually going to portray yourself to the marketplace, really getting your message out there. And it's having a brand identity. And when I say brand identity, I'm not just talking about a logo. I'm talking actually, actually talking about four different types within the brand identity, which I'll go into. And finally, and probably most importantly, is having a really clear statement about your brand positioning. Where are you positioned in the market? You know, what is your products and services? What does it actually provide to people? And you know, why is why is that important? Why is there a reason there that people should support and believe in what you're doing? And that's probably the most important component because that'll keep you more consistent than most things in, in really, you know, a journey going forward over the years and years and years. So having a really strong and clear positioning statement allows the organization to again basically summarize everything you're doing to making sure that you're on a really consistent long-term path that then you can use to create marketing strategies. So without trying to ramble too much, let me go into this in a little bit of detail. Um, like I said, you know, we have a lot of other elements in our brand strategy workshop, but as we've taken things in and out, these are really the core parts of a good brand strategy that haven't really changed. Um, some of the questions and the exercises that we do around these change, but the actual elements, they're basically the same. So let's start with, you know, really understanding your core brand. What's your core brand story? How are you actually deriving this and really constructing this in order to present that to the market? Why this is important, why having this core brand is important is it sort of what Simon Sinek says, you know, start with why. And the core of your brand is that, is, you know, why does your brand exist? You know, what's the what's the story behind your brand? And, you know, how do you actually fulfill a need to people? Why should people actually really care that what you're able to do is, you know, basically uniquely done by you in this certain way? So we really, really go through questions around that, you know, understanding your why, understanding the core fundamentals behind why you exist and then building on from that really gives you the most, you know, a, a strong foundation of something that won't change. Why your business exists, why your brand exists should be the same now as it is in 10 years. And that's why it's important to know and understand because as things change, as technology changes, as marketing strategies and tactics change, the why behind what you're doing it and why you're doing it should never change. Via because well that was a bit of a tongue twister whether it's you know in really good times where you're generating a lot of revenue or maybe difficult times if there's a downturn in the economy or whatever and maybe things get a bit tough the why behind what you're doing and you know most importantly why you're doing it doesn't change 
And it really gives you that understanding and passion behind saying, hey, even if we're not making sales or even if things change in the future and we have to you know, adapt how we're doing things, this why won't change. Why we're here and the outcome that we're trying to bring doesn't change. So therefore, we know we're on the right path. So the why is the real core element. It's that foundational piece of why your brand exists. And we go through a number of exercises there. And that's what you really want to start with, really understanding you know, what makes you different, what does everyone you know care about within your organization and how do you you know why are you there to actually do something that's going to give back to society in a way that you're obviously able to benefit from yourself and then from that really coming up with some brand values around who you know what around why your business actually And then coming up with some brand values around those and really creating some sort of ethical base around why that's important for your business moving forward and how you're going to, um, I guess, you know, rely on those values to make sure that you, you, remain, you remain consistent moving forward and actually deliver on your why to the market. After that, we really start looking at, you know, some areas of your competition and we really understand uh, some sort of the key players in both your, I guess, your niche about where you're currently situated, as well as if we go out a bit, a bit broader and look at other competitors that are sort of in your, I guess, market space or sub-market space. And we do go through some exercises, exercises there to not only find, you know, your direct and indirect com competitions in all those different layers of, of competitors, so not only your very specific niche and having direct and indirect competitors there, but as we go more broad into your sub-markets and then obviously your bigger market around you know, health, wealth and relationships, who are the sort of some other players there that we can look at, we can assess, and then we can really look at the differentiation of your competitors and you. And we can really create what I refer to as a market map, a way of, you know, based on some criteria, seeing where, where the market players are sort of playing and where some helping you find some white space, helping you sort of you know differentiate yourselves and find the areas where people aren't competing, because it's very difficult unless you're the top you know top one or two players in an industry or that specific area to really get enough market um, share to have a you know a really profitable profitable business. So being able to find some white space, you know, often referred to as a blue ocean strategy, will really help you, you know, control some new market space and not have to compete with all these other people. And we do that through an exercise called a market map. Also based on that, we're able to get a really good understanding of, you know, why you're, why you're different. How are you differentiating your brand? What are the points of difference, both functional and emotional? And then how can we turn that into um, effective messaging that, triggers people's emotions and not logic. So we're actually able to resonate with how they're feeling and then get some buy-in from them. So that sort of all builds on each other from understanding our competition, understanding where we fit in the market, and then you know creating points of differentiation that we can then turn into messaging. And you can see how that sort of builds and flows and makes sense because we're really differentiating ourselves in in a way that people understand that we're in this new space we're doing things a bit different so come and try us out you know we're not the same as everyone else we're not just competing on price or you know trying to add more to our products and services to try and stand out where which inevitably just ruins our um, attempts for actually staying profitable 
something that I want to talk about around that is just because you're in white space, sometimes that's not always a good thing. Sometimes we do these exercises and I'll be working with a client and I'll be like, oh, look there, that that's white space. And there's sometimes there's a reason there's white space in the market. Sometimes there's a reason that new companies haven't gone into that space. And to sort of exemplify this, I like giving telling the story of coffee. So, you know, when we look at coffee and we're looking at the market, there's really two, you know, there's lots of different types of coffee, you know, cold drip and all these other things and there's plunge and there's, you know, filtered coffee, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But realistically, when we look at it on a criteria basis, there's hot coffee and there's cold coffee. So if that was sort of your market map and then you had, you know, different styles of coffee on the market map as well, you would think, oh, there's hot coffee and cold coffee and look at all that white space around warm coffee. But people don't want to buy warm coffee. So just because there's white space or there's a blue ocean, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a good idea. So having someone sort of guide you around that as well, that's obviously a very extreme example. Making sure that your your points of differentiation are points of differentiation that are also good. They're not just because there's white space there and you know you don't really look at it, look at it um, in a in a sense that maybe that's that's white space for a reason. So that's what we do there. We really go through that. We really build on um, our understanding our competition, really creating points of differentiation and then turning that into effective messaging. But then we look at our tone of voice and our personality, our brand personality, and how we're actually going to deliver that message to the market. How, how are people going to resonate with us in a way that goes beyond just looking at us as a company? Having a brand personality does this. It gives character to the brand and helps people resonate with you on a more personal, in a more personal way, because we're not just presenting ourselves as a company. We're really personifying the, how we go about things. And we like to do this based on obviously characteristics that would make us up, which then help us lead into um, brand personality archetypes. So these archetypes are actually initially created by Carl Jung and they're extremely helpful ways of sort of summarizing how you're going to present your brand and personify your brand in the marketplace. Some examples of some personality archetypes are if we're thinking about a brand like Apple, which is obviously probably one of the biggest brands in the world, you know, we're really thinking about, okay, well, what, what sort of describes what Apple is? Well, they're, you know, very idealistic. They're very brand conscious. They're most importantly, they're creative. And in many ways, they go out to be a bit different. So, their brand, their brand archetype is archetyped is what is referred to as the dreamer. So that sort of personifies their brand in a way that they're able to remain consistent and say, okay, when we're making decisions here, does this fall in line with who we are? You know, they're not trying to all of a sudden be desirable and sexy like Victoria's Secret just because you know it's some time of you know it's Valentine's point of view and they're not and they're coming out with some random new. Uh, advertising campaign. That's not how it works. They're very consistent with saying, no, this is who we are. We're here to you know, serve the creatives. We're here to be different. And we're very idealistic in how we approach things with, with our branding. You know, They're very consistent with how they do that. And therefore, people understand who they are and, you know, and really connect with the type of brand that they are. So I sort of mentioned Victoria's Secret, and they're obviously very different to Apple in how they present themselves. They're desirable. They're sexy. You know, They have the most beautiful women on earth representing them. And they fit into a brand archetype called a seductress. 
So it's very, it's well worth your time basically looking up these brand archetypes and really looking at sort of the descriptors and really thinking about some adjectives of your brand and seeing where you fit in. Sometimes you'll fit into, you know, several of the brand archetypes. You'll fit into two or three of them. Most commonly you'll have a, you'll have one that sticks out and then you might have, you know, one or two as like secondary archetypes that you can use to also sort of present yourself, but you're mostly leaning on your primary architect to really create this brand personality, which will allow you to connect with uh, your audience much more effectively. So that really helps you create a tone of voice and consistency around how you go about presenting yourself. And the next step we really, something that remains consistent is making sure that we have some sort of brand identity. So brand identity is commonly thought of as a logo, which is a symbol, which is definitely one of the four types of a brand identity that I look at in terms of important. And we really look at creating a brand identity for many reasons, but one of the most important ones is giving your audience a really easy way to create associations between you and these things. So when these things appear, people don't think of someone else or something else. They think of your business, they think of your brand, they think of your company, and therefore you've created that association and therefore it's a lot easier for you in the future to create, to you know get them to start thinking about you just by showcasing these things or putting these things in the forefront of their mind. So an example of this is the four types of brand identity are you know, your brand represented as a product, your brand represented as its organization, what it's sort of what the organization basis is your brand as a person and then your brand as a symbol so using apple as, as an example here you know your brand as a product would be an iphone if you say iphone or think about an iphone or show an iphone people immediately you know associate that with apple of course if you think about the brand as the organization they had that uh, advertising campaign that was running for years which is completely associated with apple which was the think different campaign you know when they first sort of brought out this new sort of idea around that all the billboards had think different and how it would have a picture of an Apple sign or a logo or a MacBook or whatever, you know, whatever it was, but it was always think different. So, you know, that's really their brand as an organization sort of exemplifies them. If we think about a brand as a person and someone that represents them, we would obviously think of Steve Jobs. He was, you know, the person that sort of brought them back on the map and really, you know, brought about the iPod, etc. And people associate Apple with Steve Jobs. You can't have one mentioned without thinking about the other. And then finally, brand is a symbol. Well, the symbol is is the logo and it's something a bit easier to represent is the Apple sign, obviously with a bite out of it. So, you know, they're the four elements that sort of help you create a brand identity and make associations. So it's easy for people to understand who you are and, you know, use this going forward for people to see these things and go, oh, that's, that's you know, that's Apple. And you can do the same thing with, you know, Tesla, for example. You know, as a product, you're obviously looking at the Tesla vehicles, you know, and as a person, you're obviously looking at someone like Elon Musk. You know, they're, they're making these associations for long-term success because people see that and, and immediately think within their minds of the associations that are involved with that. So that's what remains consistently consistent. That's what is consistently in a brand strategy framework. Um, is the four types of a brand identity. We often spend a lot of time going through, you know, your target audiences and understanding, you know, your customer personas. But then we really want to sort of finish up with understanding a good positioning statement, understanding 
you know, in a position, a very concise, clear statement, you know, who are you, who your target audience is, what your product is, what it provides to people, what benefits does it provide to people, and why is that important? What are the reasons that people should support and believe in your products and services? You know, what's what's the emotional side of it, in, emotional importance there that people actually jump on board and, you know, be part of your tribe because you have a really clear positioning statement going forward to making sure that, hey, this is who we are, this is what we do for people, these are the benefits that it provides people, and these are the reasons there um, that our tribe is going to follow us into the future. Why that's most, why this is a big good positioning statement is most important is because like understanding your why, a good positioning statement doesn't really have to change as things change a lot because it's very conceptual around, you know, understanding the type of people that you're chasing. That shouldn't really change too much in, in years and years to come. Understanding what type of products you give, whether it's educational products, whether it's, you know, being very sort of simple and generic and around the sort of category of products that you give rather than just being specific and you're obviously your products and services will change as technology changes, et cetera. Understanding the benefits, well, the benefits towards people shouldn't change over years and years, that people are always going to have these same problems. So these ben the benefits that you're able to provide to them shouldn't change. And then understanding the reasons then that people would jump on board and support you then wouldn't change either. So a good positioning statement really offers you a clear, concise way of sort of summarizing why your brand is is there and how it's why it's positioned where it is in the market and who's who who it's helping now all the way to years down the um, down the road. So that was quite a bit. I understand that. It's always quite a bit and I like to ramble because I like talking about this stuff too much. But realistically that's those elements are essential to creating a good strong brand and in our brand strategy frameworks those elements and the exercises that we do surrounding them haven't changed i mean the elements haven't changed exercises might change but how we those elements have always been a part of them because we find them to be so effective for people having clarity and understanding of where they are and where they're going in the future and making sure that they're able to stay consistent with that so that was this week's episode on having a good, strong brand strategy framework and some of the most important elements elements you need in that. Um, like I said, Christmas break coming up, so we'll probably away, be away for a couple of weeks. But when we're um, when I come back, I really wanted to dive deep into something that I mentioned in this episode, which is a marketing map and having a using a marketing map as a really good way of understanding who your competitors are, where where they're focusing on in the market, and how you can sort of differentiate yourself and find white space in the market. So until that episode, until next time, I hope everyone has a good Christmas and a good new year and I'll see you then. Thanks. I'm your host, Adam Barbro. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Business Clicks podcast. 